When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Adam Blattenberg from Diesel World. Hi, this is Dan, owner of Dan's Diesel Performance. I'm Christian Roth of DD Diesel. I'm Braden Fleece, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. This episode comes directly from you guys. We had asked a question on our Instagram story of what kind of transmission questions you guys have, and we got a ton of them basically covering a 20-year range of, of trucks. And we asked Frank from RevMax Converters if he would be willing to answer those for us. So today we're going to ask him about 4100s and Allison 5 and 6 speeds, 4 and 10 speeds, a lot of things in between as well. So it's going to be a fun episode. Before we get to it, though, we want to give a shout out to a couple of our sponsors help make episodes like this possible. The first is Mishimoto. And, you know, today we're going to be talking about transmissions and what goes hand in hand with that are transmission coolers and especially on some of these older trucks may have higher mileage on them you know, there's been a ton of fluid and a ton of things going through that oem cooler for a long time and so if it's a you know a situation where you or the shop they don't want to reuse a factory cooler mishimoto's got a ton of them just go to mishimoto.com you can check out what they have for your truck and make sure that you keep your investment you know, protected and also keep those temperatures in check. And we've got uh, a really a large and loyal listener base of, of shop owners. And it's always really great to be able to chat with you guys and get your questions from, you know, a company that's servicing tons of trucks every week and the things your customers are looking for and trends and, and just different stuff that you guys want to hear about. And one of the common things that, that we get, especially from shops that, you know, have just started or they've been around for a little bit and they're starting to grow and they need more product is, hey, I, I would love to be able to get, you know, the products I just heard on your podcast. How can I do it? How can I see what's in stock? How can I choose how quickly I get it? I got a customer needs to get back on the road. I can't just order something and then, you know, wait for ground shipping. I need to get it here tomorrow morning or in a couple days. I'd encourage you to go to turn 14 distribution. You can find them through any internet search. You can see them on Facebook, Instagram, give them a call, send an email, and just tell them you're a diesel shop owner. And they'll get you right over to a department that that's all they work with are are diesel shops. So they're going to be familiar with the brands and the things that you need. And they'll get you set up, they'll get you a login, and you can make sure you keep your customers, you know, happy, get their trucks back on the road, and they can help you as your business grows. All right, let's get to the podcast with Frank and bombarding him with a bunch of transmission questions. Frank, welcome back to the Diesel Podcast and doing a kind of a different format on this one with some questions we got from our audience. And they're always fun because we never know what we're going to get. And it's pretty much covering every transmission or most transmissions out there. So it should be pretty fun today. Yeah, excited to see what the the crowd out there has questions about, see if we can answer some of those questions for them. Before, before we jumped into them, though, I saw you guys just released an Ellison 10-speed part. And I wanted to have you chat with us for a couple minutes and let us know what it is, what it fixes, and you know, kind of what you guys have been seeing since the last time we talked with the 10 speeds. Sure. Uh, yeah, we've done, I don't know, probably about a dozen of those things already at this point, and uh, we've noticed on pretty much all of them the same kind of failure patterns coming along. 
again, same clutch failures we were seeing before, but we're really starting to see a lot of issues on that e-clutch hub. Uh, and the e-clutch hub is, on this particular unit, is unlike anything that any trainee's ever had before. So there's really nothing else unless you've seen a 10-speed Ford or a ZF 8-speed um, to really help the listeners kind of grapple with what is. It's just a different animal. But there's a, to sum it up, there is an aluminum drum that has aluminum splines that then splines onto the main shaft of the transmission. So a couple things we're seeing, we're seeing those splines wear out or it splines onto that main shaft. And the, mo the other thing we're seeing, which we're seeing more than that, is since this, this, uh, this drum is made of aluminum, um, it's actually made of aluminum and it's designed backwards. So what I mean by that is in a typical transmission, your steel plates engage into the clutch basket and your clutch plates engage onto a clutch hub or a ring gear or, or whatever mating surface it is. On this 10-speed transmission, the Ford and uh, the Alice and both, that's a backwards design. So what that means is, is the steel plates fit on the inside and the clutch plates spline on the outside. So this aluminum inner hub has steel clutch plates that can then dig into it. And what we're seeing is we're seeing those dig into there quite badly, gouging up and damaging the engagement surface. And then those steel plates, once they start to get a lot of heat in them, they start to warp. And when they warp, they get stuck in the grooves they cut into there. And then it just basically just cascades from there. So the new part we just came up with, it's uh, 4140 heat treated stress relief steel. It, uh, again, it's, it's not going to, you know, impregnate like the uh, aluminum version will do. And on top of that, we can also add between one to up to three more frictions in that E-clutch, which is a, an extremely weak point of that trans. So we fixed the, the aluminum issue, and we fixed the capacity issue all in one with the new part. Now, is, is that failure on, like, a, a high-performance kind of build, or is it just anything over stock power? That's just that's the first thing that's probably going to go out. Well, you know, uh, at this point, it's still, again, we've only done, probably, like I said, about a dozen of them. Uh, it's a little too soon to tell if that's going to be something that needs to be done on all of them or if it's aware. You know, these trainees that we're getting in don't have that many miles on them. You know, ten to 25,000 miles of what we're seeing these units we're getting in. So they're, they're pretty pretty new units. But, again, they've been turned up. So yeah. once we see some stock ones come through here for a while, you know, with 100 or 200,000 miles on them, we'll start to really get an idea of that, if that part needs to be replaced no matter what or if it's just on the, you know, when they're turned up. We just don't know yet. Now, is the is the Ford ten speed coming up next for you guys to address the the clutch? Yeah, we've already been working on that for just as long as this Allison one. Uh, for some reason, we're not seeing quite as many Ford failures. Actually, I take that back. We have yet to see a Ford failure as of right now. We haven't had a call for one of those yet. We've got everything kind of keyed up and ready to go if we do get the call. But as of now, I don't know if they're not making the power on them or what's going on. But the designs are so similar. Uh, that it eventually it's going to it's, it's going to be an issue at some point, uh, but for some reason we're seeing the failures more in the Allisons than we are in the Fords. But time will tell if that if that's going to change. All right, I'm going to look forward to. Well, I'm sure the Ford guys will start to push those, and there seems to be a lot of really cool products that a lot of companies are working on with the engines and just tons of different things. And I'm sure the power will be going up here not too shortly, and then when we do a podcast, you'll be able to let us know if. Uh, 
if that proved to be a weak point on those as well or, or what else popped up. But I got some really interesting questions from Instagram that I wanted to ask you. And they're, they're going to be covering older transmissions and newer ones, but I think it's going to help a lot of people out there. So I'm just going to toss these out to you and right. see, see, see what your opinion is on them and, and get, uh, get these guys some help on, on their questions. So the first one was, what are some good 4100 upgrades for a four to 450 horsepower setup on a 7.3? Well, very similar to what we do on the, the other trannies. Uh, the Fords actually torque converters are, are a real problem. Uh, the uh, factory converters on those Ford 4100s and even the 5R110s, the original factory converters, and going back to the E4OD, uh, very, very similar. The E4OD was a single disc. The Ford was a twin disc. The 5R110 was a twin disc. Uh, but the, the issue is, is the splines where the cover, where the clutch is engaged into the cover, kind of just like the, uh, we were just talking on the E-Clutch Hub on the 10L1000s. Uh, these are made out of steel, but they're really cheap. They're just stamped steel parts. And eventually over time, they will, they'll beat that, uh, the engagement points in, and you'll have failures there. There's bearing failures in the converters. or stator failures in the converters. And, and the clutch capacity is not the greatest. So... Uh, Ford, I'd say number one in that kind of price, that, sorry, that power range, uh, you're definitely going to want to do something about the converter. After that, see, it's one of those older units. Now we're talking the 4100s. We're going to stick with those, uh, E40 slash 4100 shift kit. So, you know, a good Transgo shift kit like the Tugger shift kit uh, will go a long way to keep that trans alive because, remember, the old ones, it's, it's not electronically controlled. It's got solenoids. All line pressure is regulated via the pump and the valve body. So we've got to do mechanical upgrades versus tuning upgrades on those. So a shift kit slash valve body, um, torque converter. While you're doing the torque converter, they're only a few 300 bucks. Do an input shaft, uh, pretty cheap insurance. And after that, I mean, you've got a, you've got a, a halfway okay unit. Um, that number you kind of threw out there, that 450, 500 horse number, though, in that range, you're starting to get to the point where you really need to start focusing on some internal issues as well. But, uh, you know, at least those parts will get you started on a budget. And after that, any, anything more than the, uh, that four, I, I call, honestly, I could probably call it in the 400 range at the most. After about 400, we're talking about an internal build. Uh, it just can't handle that, that, that kind of power. If they do get to that, say, 450-ish, 4 to 450 mark, and they're calling in and they're going to order a full transmission, do they need to look at a build intermediate or output at that point? Or is it just, you know, clutches and a valve body and, you know, new pump and converter and build input shaft is is good enough for that kind of power? Well, believe it or not, the actual, uh, on the 4100s, again, they're so similar to the 5R110s, but just a little bit different. on, on, on the 4100s, I would say uh, on your output shaft, it's the least thing you need to worry about. Um, input shaft first, uh, the intermediate shaft second, and then the overdrive planetary third. With, with a little grain of salt there when I say that, because on those guys, some trucks will, will rip the planetary splines out of them, the next truck will break the input shaft, and the other truck will break the intermediate shaft. Uh, it, it just You just don't know what you're going to get, along with also... The forward drum on those guys, they'll strip out as well. So on those, the 4100s, since they're a mechanical trans, you just don't know what's going to let go first. But without literally throwing you know, a grenade at them to try to figure out you know, all one shot how to nail them, uh, you know, I would say, I would definitely say input shaft, 
uh, and after that, just a good clutch kit in there will go a long way. Now, the earlier 4100s, there's a diodes up on the direct drum, which has to go. Uh, so that's something that needs to be taken care of. Now, a lot of these trucks are now going on, you know, what, 20 years old at this point, some of them, um, most of them, actually. A lot of them have been built before, and most times in those earlier builds, that diode's been addressed and a new, new uh, sprag's been put into them. So assuming that's been done, good. But that right there is a ticking time bomb. So if you're in the unit, you've got to address that diode issue. To kind of <clears throat> bridge the gap from the 4100 to this next question, which is an Allison, is uh, this guy had asked, when are billet shafts needed on a 5 or 6-speed Allison? So, you know, that's interesting. We, we don't see a lot of Allison shaft failures. Uh, I'm just trying to think this year of all the cores that have come in that, that have been brought to my attention. I, I want to say maybe one. Um, they just don't have the, the issues that the, uh, that the other units have. Those input shafts and output shafts are so stout, and especially on the, uh, on the out output shaft, they're short and stubby, and there's just, they don't have a lot of issues. Uh, occasionally you'll see an input shaft, but, but not very often. You know, if you're not in the 800, I mean, we're talking solid 800, not you're hoping for 800. The solid 800, 1,000, 1,200 range, honestly, I think the shafts and those guys are being bought, you know, preemptively. I'm not so sure they're even really needed. So, yeah, if you're, if you're below 1,000 horse, I wouldn't even mess with shafts on an Allison 1,000. Or actually, one more thing, though. There is something that you would want to address below that point. Um, the uh, the C2 hub, that is an issue in those guys where it goes on to the top of the planetary. So that is where your first, what we see fail more than shafts is the area there. So um, that's what you'd want to invest in. If you're buying a new four, uh, sorry, new Allison 1000 build, um, I would definitely put my money on the C2 hub and P1 planet upgrade versus putting into shafts. Yeah, it seems like a, a, we rarely get questions or requests that do episodes on Allison billet shafts. It, it usually tends to be the rebuild kits and clutch kits and converters and, and things like that. And it's always interesting to me which which platform has, you know, an issue with with shafts or other parts. Like we were just going through with the 4100 and the Allison. But this next question, it, this one's really interesting, and I have no idea what the answer is, so it's going to be fun to ask you. Um, but this guy said, do you think manual valve bodies are possible with new transmissions? And by new, I think he's referring to these fully electronic ones like a 68 RFE or um, even, you know, Allison's and the Fords and things like that. No. Uh, I can go into a little detail for you as well, other than just a no. Um, so here, here's the thing. Once we got past four speeds, um, there's, there were no five speeds that were quote-unquote manual shift. Now, you could tap shift them, but... When you go from a synchronized to a non-synchronized shift pattern on the transmission, you go from basically one part on, one part off. So very easy is timing. You time the release of one part to the oncoming next part. And that's your shift timing, and that's how you get your shift. Well, with the newer trans, the 5, 6, 8s, and 10 speeds, you no longer have that. So you've got three items working in conjunction all at one time. Um, so what will happen is if the timing is not just right, you'll get a bind and you'll either smoke the clutch or you'll break a shaft. Um, so unfortunately, there's no way to control the timing precise enough 
um, through valving. And if you look at a new valve body compared to the old ones, there is no valving. They're very, very simple compared to the old transmissions. Um, there's just really no way to have a quote-unquote manual uh, shift newer design trans. Now, things we've done, like on the 68s, we've made a trans brake for our 60 RFE. So you can do a trans brake. We can do a manual lockup with an ex, you know, we have a valve body design that we ran at UCC for the last few years. Uh, that valve body actually manually locks up. We've got an extra auxiliary valve body with additional solenoids and wiring that we can actually, you know, manually lock the converter up. And you can do the same thing in the Allisons and I think the 6Rs and a few other units out there. But um, as far as a pure, you know, on the floor manual shifter for the new trans, uh, it's, it's just not going to happen. I think the other part with it too is, you know, if I think back to the four speeds, it did have those, and it's like you, you know, you buy a full transmission, and then you do this manual valve body, and the next question people ask is, well, does it have a warranty? And it's like, well, you take so much control away from the the timing of everything. I imagine it's probably fairly easy if you wanted to break something, you could break it or, or do internal damage to it. So it's it's something that I know when we've talked about five nines and 48 RE's and things like that, guys have talked about that. Like if, if you're going to do it, you got to understand the risks with it as well. Yeah. And, and very much so. And, and we've, we've already had these discussions before in the past, you and I on these, on a couple of shows over the, you know, I think almost on every show and we, we get back to tuning and broken shafts and the 68 and the 48 and everything else. You know, even the Allisons and uh, the 6R140s, all of them, when the tuning goes awry and the binds start happening, that's when you break shafts. So that's why you that's 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 where that that's why you don't see very many broken shafts on bone stock trucks. Yes, the power you know the power's turned down, but you can do some really stupid stuff and still break shafts. You just don't see it. But when the tuners start getting in there and they're modifying those timing tables and the torque management tables and the defuels that's when you start to see the broken shafts. It's, it's just, unfortunately, if you're off, we're talking milliseconds, okay? And the, the public out there, when they drive some of these tunes and they give the feedback to the tuners, the public doesn't understand what they're feeling a lot of times. So the guy, Joe may take his truck down the road with his new great tune and says it shifts amazing. Well, he says it's shifting amazing because he likes how positive and it's chirping the tires and it's, you know, it's a really firm shift and he loves it. Well, on those new transitions, when you have those kinds of shifts, that means you've got a bind. There is a bind occurring that's making those tires chirp and those hard shifts happen. So it's not a good tune. There is something wrong with it. And that is where, again, where we start seeing broken shafts, especially when you're towing heavy or you're towing at all a little bind with a lot of weight behind the truck, there's nowhere, you know, there's nowhere for that energy to go other than snap that shaft. This next question, I, I think you've, you guys probably get a lot, and it's with the 47 or 48 REs, and that's asking about the governor pressure solenoid and, you know, issues that have been around for a really long time with the, the stock solenoid and some shuttle shifting that's going on. Is, is there a fix for that? Well, you know, first we've got to talk about how old these units are we're talking about. 1996, the first 47RE, okay? These things are not spring chickens anymore, all right? They're old. The valve body castings are worn out. The valves inside the valve bodies are worn out. So we've got multiple issues. You know, 15 years ago, 
we could talk about just the solenoid. So we'll stay on topic for a second with the solenoid, and we'll go into where else these issues could be coming from. So the answer to the GM solenoid, you know, when that was designed, oh, I think that came out maybe 15, 14, 15 years ago, somewhere 10 years ago. I can't remember. It's been a long time. It's been out for. But, uh, you know, that was uh, the greatest thing since, since uh, sliced bread, everyone said. And it, it worked pretty well. You know, it fixed a lot of the shuttle shifting issues at the time. And since then, um, you know, Borg Warner has released a drop-in solenoid that goes right in place of the factory uh, governor pressure solenoid. And that solenoid does the exact same thing that the GM solenoid does. So that GM solenoid with the block, you could probably buy the Borg Warner solenoid for a third of the cost. It does the exact same thing. Um, and all, all we're trying to do is not over, you know, is, is flood that circuit. And again, the Borg Warner solenoid and the GM solenoid, they do the same thing. One looks fancier than the other one, but there's really no reason to spend the extra money. So it does help, and it's something we put on. We put a Borg Warner solenoid on every one of our 47 and 48s we sell. Now. On top of that, there's other places where shuttle shifting and erratic shifting is going to occur on the 47 and 48. Uh, first spot, throttle valve. So I would say out of 100 valve bodies that we see here that we rebuild, or you know, for either for transmissions or for exchange units, uh, I would say out of those 100 units, 90 of them have a worn-out TV valve if they haven't been surfaced already. So the casting or the valve itself has worn out. And that will give you all kinds of shift complaints. Uh, next, again, in the valve body, if you've got uh, wear in the governor plugs, that will cause shifting complaints. Um, if you've got wear in the PR valve, that can give you soft shifting, not shift complaints, but soft shifting. And then cross leaks, a lot of cross leaks, because, again, those, those housings, we're talking those things have been out there, some of them for 20-plus years. And... Uh, that's a lot of heat cycles. And on the 4748s, there's no gasket. It's metal upon metal upon metal. So uh, a, a lot of cross-leaking uh, that you'll, you'll pick up on those guys. So, you know, you, you, can, you can see a lot of shuttle shift slash shift complaint issues just due to the fact they're getting old and worn out, uh, you know, and we see a lot of it. And, and even more so, a lot of people think that, um, I'm having these issues, it's because my trans is worn out. Well, the guy gets the valve body, sends the valve body to us, uh, and somebody put a shift kit in there you know, before he bought the truck. The guy had no idea there was a shift kit in there, and the shift, shift kit wasn't installed properly, and that will give you all kinds of complaints as well, too. So, you know, we, we see that a lot. People think they have a worn-out valve body. They send it into us. We take a look at it. I'm like, uh, it's not a worn-out valve body. It's just an improperly put-in shift kit. I think that's where a lot of guys can get frustrated too, because there's so many places that that can that symptom can occur, and I think they tend to start with the easiest one, which is I'm going to replace the the governor pressure solenoid because I can do it at home, just drop the pan and do it. But when it doesn't fix it, <clears throat> the frustration can kind of build from there, and it's it's good to know where other places are in that transmission you can get that same symptom from. Yeah, and, 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 and another thing, too, is, you know, people, they, they go on the Internet and they see these really cool shiny parts and they say, I want to put these in my transmission for, like, a 4748. You know, you got to be real careful, and we've had this conversation about power glides and turbo 400s in the past on, on the show. You've got to be really careful when you're matching parts from different people. So you buy a part from me, you buy a part from the next guy, a part from the next guy. Well, here's the issue. My valve body or his valve body or the next guy's valve body may or may not work well with the next guy's, 
know, intermediate servo. It may not work well with a 4.2 or 5.0 apply lever. And when you start making your own little things, because let's say one guy's got one part cheaper for $12 cheaper or $3 cheaper, and you're like, oh, it's the same thing, you got to be careful because there's little subtle differences, and some of these parts don't play very well together. You know, so you've got to be very careful when you, you know, if you don't know, if you haven't built 47s or 48s, we're using those as an example, if you haven't built a bunch of those in the past and you don't know how these parts play with one another, you either need to get someone who really knows what they're talking about to help you order it, or you need to keep your ordering to one place because then that one place knows what they're selling all works together. And if it doesn't, they'll tell you when you buy it if it doesn't work well together. That's really good advice. I think for a lot of things with with our, our trucks as well, not just transmission stuff. Um, and th- this this next question, we've been getting these a lot, and they're, they're fun because there's a million different answers, and I'm always curious to hear what the guest is going to say. But this person said, what's the best transmission for towing and daily driving? And I, I'm going to assume that they mean in a stock configuration, not in an upgraded unit. So in your opinion, if you were going to buy a truck to daily drive and tow just based solely on the transmission characteristics, which one would you get? Brand new truck? Yeah. Okay, brand uh, new truck. Oh, yeah. man. Well, let's say the last five years. La- well, okay, we'll go We'll go a used truck in the last five years and a new truck. How's that sound? Yeah, that sounds good. Um, you know, if uh, it's a tough question now. Some people are going to get really brand upset here probably. But, uh, wow. If it was a new truck, what would I buy for towing? If I was towing all the time, okay, are we going to leave stock power levels or are we going to turn the power up, Patrick? I think most enthusiasts do something with power. So, you know, let's say 100, power, 100 horsepower or less is what they're going to do to it. All right. So if it was stock, I'd say an AS69 in a, in a new Cummins is what I would go with probably. All right. Um but since we're talking about adding power to it, that doesn't do well with extra power. So I would say push that one to the side. If I want the most reliable setup that's just going to take a beating at around 100 horsepower from the factory, I would probably go with a Ford 6.7 uh, with, with a 6R140. We're, t- we're talking about, you know, five-year-old trucks. That's probably what I go with. That's, that's, to me, that's the strongest platform out there as far as the trans goes, absolutely. Um, you see the least amount of issues in those trans. Second, a close second would be an Allison, you know, six-speed setup right there. And then last place would be a 60 RFE. Again, you know, we're talking from the factory, all factory parts other than the engine being turned up. That's the order I'd go. I'd go 6R140, Allison, 68. Uh, and that AS69, I don't know where you want to throw that because if it was stock, it'd probably be right at the top, if not the top. But the fact we're talking about extra power, it just doesn't perform well with extra power. It doesn't fail. It just doesn't, does, just doesn't work very well, that's all. Um, and if I was buying a new truck, if I was buying a new truck, it's a little too premature to give you a really educated answer to that. Um, but I would probably go, man, it'd either be the Ford or, or it'd be, it'd be Ford or, or, or GM slash Chevy. Well, the Allison or one of those two ten speeds, those things just they're just they they they're they're just great. They're great, you know. They shift great. They got they they pull hard. They've got they're just very very good setups. Uh, the Dodge, unfortunately, Dodge they got a hell of a motor. Cummins is a great motor, and we love the '68 at Rev Max. Trust me, and we love AS69s. But the Trans, I mean, they are by far 
you know, not even a close third place, you know, with the 68 AS69 compared to the new 10 speeds. You know, I, 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 they're not even comparable. Uh, the motor is great, but the trans is awful. It's really, what's really interesting. I think because there's so much information out there for, for truck enthusiasts is they, you know, they have their, their brand loyalty or engine loyalty. But then they also they also know that at some point they're probably going to have to do something with the transmission, and it's really cool when they ask questions about, you know, just put put the brand aside, put the engine aside. I, I'm thinking, you know, am I going to have to buy it a, a five or six or seven or eight thousand dollar transmission relatively soon with this? And you know, you guys are seeing them all day, every day, so it's it's really it's informative to have you answer that question as to you know which one you would have for. I think how most people use their trucks, which is a tow something, daily drive it maybe add a little bit of power, and they're looking for longevity out of it. You know, the Ford 6-speed, the 6R140, uh, with the 6.7 motor, it's, it's a, I mean, that's, that's a great setup from the factory. Uh, that's what I would go. It's not, you know, it doesn't fail the most for us, of course, but uh, it, it's by far for the consumer, that's where I would want to, you know, that's where I would. In fact, that's what I told my father-in-law to buy. Um, so there you go. I actually told my whole family to buy that truck. So there you go. Yeah. That's literally, I would say, the six-speed Ford and the six-seven uh, Scorpion motor, and those guys is where I'd go. Now, our last question, and this is this is probably you know we're probably just guessing at it, but someone had asked, do you think in the future that there's ever going to be a swap kit for one of these ten speeds, where you could put it in an older platform, like say? I don't know, put the 10-speed Allison behind an LBZ or, you know, the 10-speed Ford behind a 6.0 or 6.4 or something like that? Well, the answer is anything can be done. I I just don't know with the current state of tuning where we're at how much how much tuning we're going to have available to us for these new trucks to start with is, is you know, a really big uh, part of that question, you know, if you're going to take the entire drivetrain and put it into an older truck, that's one thing with the computer system and all. But if you're trying to just do a straight, take that 10-speed out and put it to a different application, man, I, I, think, it, I think it's going to be extremely difficult. Uh, you know, the two, the TCM and the ECM or the PCM, depending on the application, the communication and getting those two to, to behave well with one another, I, I just don't know if it can be done. I mean, that, that's, again, it's so new. These platforms, platforms are so new, and tuning is so limited right now. Um, I, just, I just don't think that's something. People, I would not be holding your breath. If some of you are looking about doing some project in the next five years, I would not be holding your breath for the next five years. I don't think it will be any, any time soon before we see any kind of swap, let alone swap kit that actually works. Um, you know, with the 10 speed. I mean, look, we're just now seeing Allison swaps for some of the common setups and that kind of stuff. And man, these things have been out forever. So, and those are those are like kindergarten level, you know, compared to where these new 10 speeds are as far as electronics and computer control. I mean, literally, those are like as basic as they come. The Allisons compared to the new stuff. Yeah, I think you know, <clears throat> I think back right when the 68 RFE came out, and a lot of the of um, things on forums back then would be five, nine guys wanting to put a 68 RFP cause it's a six speed, right. And, and they wanted the benefit of the gear ratios. And I mean, that was what, 12 years ago, 
13 years ago and there's still not a viable option for that and i don't even know if i don't i don't think i would even attempt something like that on a 5.9 i would just build the 48 and and keep it yeah. that way but you know it's it, it's always interesting when something new comes out and and we think oh wow it's got 10 speeds but then how much input is that transmission getting from things on this six, seven power stroke or this L five P that's not going to exist on your 2006 LBZ or your 2005, five, nine or six, four or something like that, that it, it uses to integrate with the truck. It's totally different. Yeah, for sure. I mean, these new trucks are all load sensitive. They can, they know if you're on a hill, if you're going down a hill, they, they're, they're so smart. And again, like you kind of hit on, I just don't see it. You know, the six speeds, I think there's one company out there that's doing like a 68 swap. I don't know how they work or if they even work at this point, uh, how well they work. Um, but, you know, a lot of people call about, you know, the Allison five to six speed conversion stuff. Hey, I want to do a six speed conversion on my five speed Allison. And I, we always, I, was asked, I always ask the customer if I get the call and I say, I say what are you trying to do? Oh, I'm trying to get fuel. Well, if you do the math and you run the numbers of how, how long it's going to take you to pay for the fuel for that extra gear, you know, the, the, the six-speed swap, you'll never get there. You'll never get there. And, um, and that's just a simple, that's just a PCM and a valve body on one of those. Let alone, we're not talking about trans, adapter plates, trans case, drive shaft mods, cross member changes, torque converter changes, mid plate changes, none of that. We're not talking about any of that stuff. I couldn't even venture to guess. I mean, I would think you'd be in the on a new. I think it'd be twenty to thirty thousand dollars on one of these ten speeds if there was even a kit for one, just because everything has to change because they are so much different size wise than the predecessors. Well, I think that definitely uh, kind of gives people some insight into you know with these new trucks or, or if they're looking to buy something and you know they're thinking, well, you know, I really want this ten speed. Well, it's probably cheaper to just get the truck even though it's brand new and they cost a lot than it is to try to, you know, wait or hope or, you know, think that something may become viable in the aftermarket to swap that. And, and I also think too, with the previous question of, you know, which, which truck's the best one to use for like a work application or, or you know, something that you're towing with every day is, is uh, a lot of times, you know, we think in, in diesel, it's like, well, if you're going to tow, you, you get, you get a Cummins and then, you get it and you have a 68 RFE or you have a 48 RFE and you get into transmission problems and then you're buying a transmission. And I've seen a lot of people, especially in the diesel industry, that their businesses are based on Cummins parts, but they tow stuff with their power stroke um, with the 6R140 because of, you know, they just needed something that, that was robust that they could count on. They're not racing it. They're not making big power with it. And so it's always, it's always really interesting to get professionals opinion, you know, like yours and what you guys are doing as to recommendations with, you know, our builds, whether they're 4100s or the billet shafts or which transmission is the best one in stock form or near stock form. So I appreciate you, you know, jumping on today, answering the questions from our audience. I look forward to doing it again and seeing, you know, after the first of the year, what kind of new parts you guys have. And, and, uh, I know, you know, race season next year's everyone's looking forward to it and there's a lot of cool things happening. So I'm sure we'll have some race parts to talk about and, you know, racing transmission things and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Thanks for having me on again. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we get some more questions again, because it's been a lot of fun answering some of these questions. I'm sure there's a lot more, a lot of good ones out there. still we have yet to even think about. 
don't forget diesel fans if you're getting ready to do a transmission build or you think one's coming up and you want to replace the cooler go to mishimoto.com check out what they have for your ford gm or ram truck and if you're a shop owner out there looking to get products and need need some help to you know keep up with your business as it grows as you're getting more more customers Give Turn 14 Distribution a, a shout. You can find them on Instagram, Facebook. You can give them a call, and they'll get you over to an account manager that can help you out and get you set up online so you can see everything they have in stock, which warehouse that it's at, and how quickly you can get it. Till next time, keep the shiny side up.